you for listening to this podcast. My name is Daryl, and I'm the creative arts pastor at Rochester Life. And I've got a favor to ask of you. If you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, if you would just shoot us an email at info at rochesterlife.org. Again, that's info at rochesterlife.org. And just let us know how long you've been listening. It's always important that we gather some feedback periodically so that we know if where we're spending the efforts in our media ministries benefiting people. So if you are benefiting from this, please take the time, drop us a quick email, info at rochesterlife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much. And now here's Pastor Joe with this week's message. Thanks for tuning in here today. Uh, We are taking a little bit of a break from our series that we are in as we discuss the book of Ephesians. Um, But we are going to do a little one-off message here, uh, primarily because today the church body is out at Miller-Sylvania State Park. Um, We're enjoying a church picnic and some water baptism. And so this message that I'm sharing today is is shared out there. And I just thought I'd take this moment just to invite you to come out to visit us sometime in person. Um, Our Sunday morning worship experience happens at the Rochester Primary School, um, Sundays at 10 o'clock, and we'd love to have you there sometime time where you could uh, listen to the messages that you find here online and you can listen to them as they're presented in person. We'd love to have you there. But in this one-off message today, um, being outdoors and enjoying the, uh, the picnicking and the water and the fun of the outdoors, the title of today's message is Working in the Backyard of My Life. Um, working in the backyard of my life. Um, the backyard is generally a area of activity. It's generally private. There's uh, fences that go around the backyard to keep the dog in and to keep the people out. And that's the way we treat our backyards here in America. They're a private entity for you and the family and any invited guests to enjoy. Um, I got a few, you know, memories and thoughts of the backyard. Um, as a kid, we had this fort that my dad had built for us. It was in the backyard and it was about, oh, 10 feet in the air or so. And it had this cool, you know, staircase and ramp to get up into it. And uh, we had a great time in the backyard. We'd sleep in it overnight. Um, we'd go down to the um, general store and we'd pick up a bunch of one cent candies and bring them back. And we were set up for the night um, to just have a lot of fun sleeping in the in the fort. Um, we also, this fort overlooked this ravine that was our backyard. We lived out in the woods and down in the bottom of this ravine was this creek. And we'd go down into the creek and we would pretend that we were Rambo. We would have our fake guns and we'd have our hair tied up with bandanas and we'd put on clothes that we could get wet and muddy and we'd go running through um, the creek bed and up the, you know, the side of the uh, ravine and it was a, a ton of fun. But in this backyard, not only did we have the, the um, fort and the ravine, but we also had this deck that was hanging off the backyard and hanging off the back of the house overlooking all this. And grew, growing naturally where we lived were these stinging nettles. And they would just grow in abundance all around. Well, um, if we didn't take care of them, get them weeded out of there, they could get pretty big and thick. And well, one time that had happened and there were stinging nettles all around the back side of the porch. And in the backyard is the place where you could lay out in the sun, get yourself a nice suntan. Well, my sister had done that. She was laying on the back deck and uh, she was in her bathing suit getting the sun and um, 
I don't know exactly how she did it or what got her so close to the edge, but she fell into this patch of stinging nettles in the backyard in her bathing suit. She had stinging nettle owies all over her body. It was, it was a nightmare. It was terrible. And to get her out of there was just terrible. It was uh, one of the worst days of her life, I'll bet. And so things like this can happen in the backyard. Um, I want to take a look at a passage of scripture where the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a younger pastor, Timothy. So in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 12, it reads, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Now listen to this. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So I want to draw from this little admonition from Paul to Timothy a few ideas about keeping order or keeping track of working in the backyard of your life. So as you think about your life, as you think about the public version of your life and the private version of your life, the front porch of your life versus the backyard of your life, um, I want for us to consider these words that Paul is giving to Timothy as to what to share and really how to live himself um, and how important really the private part of your life is in how it impacts everything. Um, back in the day, um, I envision um, that more and more of life was lived on the front porch, out in the front yard. Neighbors would come around and they would hang out on the front porch. But as time moved on and people became more and more private and secluded, they moved to the backyard. They moved to the back deck as opposed to the front porch. Well, we both have got these areas of our lives. Um, we've got the public front porch version of us, and we've also got this private backyard, back deck version of us. Well, I, I want to bring out today how important it is to deal with the backyard, the private portions of our lives. Um, I'm going to reference twice today a book that I'm reading right now, and it's a book that's been around for quite some time, and it was redone in 2017, but it's uh, by Gordon MacDonald, Ordering Your Private World. And in there, he brings out how significant and how important important it is to focus on that private part of your life. Well, the first thing that Paul shared, shared with Timothy and I, how it relates to this is one, as he says in verse seven, do not waste time with irreverent and silly myths. In fact, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. 
So I want for us to talk about just for a moment to focus on things worthy of your time. Focus on things that are worthy of your time. We spend a lot of our time focused on things that probably are not worthy of our time. I looked up the average lifespan in America today. The average lifespan broken down is 79, I'm sorry, 78.79 years. We'll round it up. 79 years, the average lifespan for a person in America today. Now, how many days is that? Well, you're going to be alive for about 28,758 days. Well, when you put it in days, all of a sudden it sounds a little smaller, doesn't it? Um, how many hours? 690,200 hours you can expect to live. We're flipping through hours pretty quickly. In fact, we sleep eight of them away every night. Um, how about the minutes? The average person's going to live 41,412,024 minutes. Um, let me say that again. 41,412,024 minutes. So this is what you have to work with. This is your lifespan. You've got a, a, a definite amount of life that you can expect. And with that, you've got to reason, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to focus my energy, my efforts, my thoughts, um, where I put my um, focused energy? Because here, Paul says to Timothy, do not waste time with irreverent and silly myths. I was thinking about some of the ways in which I've spent my time. There's been plenty of minutes that I have spent on things that probably don't matter things that I wished I had focused differently. Um, subcultures are kind of interesting. Um, whenever I've gotten involved or pick up a new hobby, I've been pretty surprised to realize that there is a whole subculture of people that focus in their time and resources in on that activity. Hiking, whole subculture of hikers. Um, gaming, those who ride motorcycles and invest time and, and, and effort there, boating, shooting, crafting, cooking, sewing. These are just a few that I have been involved in or my wife has been involved in. And you, these different things can take up a lot of your time and a lot of your resource. I decided to do a little search as to what are some of the more unique subcultures that you can find out there. And you know what? There are a doozy. Have you ever like looked at uh, different th things that people are into, whole groups of people and what they've done, and you just kind of shake your head and say, how can there be a whole group that focuses on that? Well, there's a group of people called bagelheads. Do you know what bagelheads are? I didn't know either. Bagelheads are people that inject their forehead with some sort of solution to temporarily give themselves a inflated skin in the shape of a bagel. Can you imagine whole groups of people that call themselves bagelheads and they inject their skin to look like a bagel growing out of their head? Um, there's a, another group called competitive endurance tickling. Competitive endurance tickling. Um, there's a group of people that call themselves stalkers. And you know what they are? These are people that try to sneak in to the dangerous area on Earth called Chernobyl. Do you remember the place where the nuclear fallout disaster took place? And people want to sneak in and out of this restricted, unsafe place to be. 
Um, there's people that are in um, elevator enthusiasts that just love to go up and down elevators and try to break records as amount of time spent on elevators and floors covered and all of this. There's um, a group of people that are part of the Dagen here group. And this is a group that they dress up in full-on medieval gear and they go out into parks and they battle each other with styrofoam swords um, mimicking medieval battles. All I'm saying is there's a lot of people spending their time in pretty unique ways. Now, I know that a lot of moments in life are mundane. They're focused on meaningless things. All of us have these moments that we deal with. But here's my encouragement to you as you're thinking about how your backyard, your the backyard of your life, the inner resources, the spiritual recesses of your life are spending time. And my challenge to you is, Though we can't redeem every moment, though we can't fix every moment, but can we, um, can we introduce more eternal significance into more of our minutes, into more of the time that we spend? I mean, when we're offering our, you know, our 41 million minutes to the Lord, as we're offering our um, days, our 28,000 days, as we're offering our 79 years to the Lord, can we consider that we give Him more of them, that we dedicate more of them to the things that matter? Paul said to Timothy, don't waste your time. Don't spend meaningless moments on controversies, on myths, on things that don't matter. As you consider the backyard of your life, I think you need to consider how your time is spent. Here's another thing that Paul said to Timothy, and that is to train yourself for godliness. To train yourself for godliness. Verse 7 said, train yourself for godliness. A person trains for something that's important to them. To train, you focus your time and your energy. You put a lot of focus on getting better, at getting more tuned in, at getting more proficient in something. Um, there was a time when I was a runner. Um, I would go out and run long distances. I even ran one full 26 mile marathon one time. And in order to get to that place where you can run that long, you got to go through a lot of training. You're getting up at early hours in the morning. You're sacrificing time with the family. You're sacrificing time with your friends to be out there just running down the street. Um, you're training yourself so that you can accomplish something. Or maybe I've known people who are really proficient in target practice, shooting bows and arrows or guns or whatever it may be. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of repetition of getting good and proficient at these things. Um, you've trained before. You've trained for something before. Maybe it's studying for a test or it's training for some career. We put time and energy and effort. And here, Paul tells Timothy to train for godliness, to put a lot of focused energy in becoming godly. So what training counts the most? Verse, uh, verse 8 in this passage said that while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this present life, but also for the life to come. You see, when you think about how you want to order your backyard of your life, the private portions of your life, how you want to work on it, friends, may I encourage you to train yourself in godliness. Godliness is developed in the backyard or the private domain, the inner recess of the soul. That's where godliness is developed. 
And it's only seen on the outside if it actually exists on the inside. See, a lot of people want to come across like a godly or righteous or holy person, someone who does right things. But friends, genuine godliness only happens in the private yard. It only happens in the private recess, uh, recesses of your heart. In fact, I want to read a passage of, uh, of this book, Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald, when he writes, We must come to see ourselves as living in two very different worlds. Our outer or public world is easier to deal with. It's much more measurable, visible, and expandable. Our outer world consists of work, play, possessions, and a host of acquaintances that make up a social network. It is the part of our existence easiest to evaluate in terms of success, popularity, wealth, and beauty. But our inner world is more spiritual in nature. Here is a center in which choices and values can be determined, where solitude and reflection might be pursued. It is a place for conducting worship and confession, a spot where the moral and spiritual pollution of the times needs not penetrate. You see, we need to take time in our day regularly, morning or evening or maybe sometime in the middle, where we're reflecting on the work of Jesus and what He's doing through the circumstances of our lives. We need to take that time to develop godliness, which only happens in the presence of the Lord. This is working in the backyard of your life. It's, it, no one else sees it. No one else knows it's getting done. However, everyone knows it's getting done because when you deal with the inner resources of your life, it has a way of showing on the outer parts too. And then the last thing here that I want to bring up is Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, do not um, do not hide behind the excuse of being an idiot. Um, what, he, what, he, what he said in this, in verse 12, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, and love, and faith, and purity. A lot of times I'll hear young people quote this passage of scripture. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Almost as if it's like some sort of a cause to make sure that people um, don't ever say anything against young people. That those old people keep criticizing and looking down and disrespecting young people. This has nothing to do with something like that. When Paul's talking to Timothy about not letting anyone despise him because he's young, he has everything to do with, he's saying, don't act like an idiot like the other people your age do. He's, he's calling them out from an immaturity. He's calling them out from making a bunch of decisions that are clearly a mark of young people, but rather grow up in maturity, live beyond your age, live as someone who is um, beyond themselves in years. Um, we can offer excuses to God all day long for our behavior, but you know what he's going to do every time? He's going to direct us to the cross because we might throw an excuse before the Lord that says, well, God, you made me this way, or God, I can't help the way I feel, or God, I've, I've got these uh, temptations, or I've got these circumstances, or I've got these people around me. I've got all of these things, and we throw these excuses out to God as to why we are not living in a godly manner, according to the scriptures. And he'll say, I took care of all of those excuses on the cross. I dealt with them. I dealt with your sin on the cross. And you have now got this opportunity to submit 
to the work of Jesus, to submit to the work on the cross. You see, the cross removes every one of our excuses for ungodliness. Praise the Lord. We don't have to strive, but rather we submit to the Lord. And what he does is he calls us into the private resources with him. And that's where all of these excuses begin to dissipate. That's when we become in line with him. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us for godly living. He fills us up. He desires to fill us up every day to say no to temptation. He fills us up every day to, uh, to give us wisdom. He fills us up every day to give us power to make right choices. So when you deal with the cross honestly, you're dealing with it in the backyard of your life, not the front porch. You see, you don't come to... Jesus, you don't come to become a Christian because you fix everything on the outside, but rather he begins to do the work on the inside of your soul. Do you remember the story of Simon the sorcerer? You find this story in Acts chapter 8. But Simon the sorcerer had done all these wonderful things and done all these marvelous like acts of, of magic and everything. And people would, would come and they would have him do stuff for him and uh, for them. And they would be so impre- uh, amazed at the illusions and the different things that he could do. Well, Simon comes in contact with these disciples who are walking through and the Lord is beginning to build his church um, on the works of ministry of the apostles and he's given them the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is doing miracles. People are being healed. And as they are doing ministry, Simon watches this ministry and he wants He's so amazed at the genuine power of God that's happening through the miracles that the apostles are seeing happen through the Holy Spirit. And he wants to uh, have that too. In fact, he says, can I buy that power? Can I buy that power? I want to be able to do that too, because that's more impressive than what I can currently do. And um, he wanted a front porch version of God without the back porch, the backyard work of spending time with Jesus. And here's what Peter said to him when he asked to offer money, can I buy this work of the Holy Spirit? Peter said to him, Acts 8 verse 20, it says, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are um, in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered him, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you said may come about me. You see, friends, In order for us to see godliness produced in our lives, it happens in the private times with Jesus. It happens in the backyard of our lives. It happens um, in the the places that people don't see. And it will have visible impact. It will have visible results. But genuine godliness does not happen by fixing up the stuff on the outside. It doesn't happen by pretend. It doesn't happen by anything you're doing on the outside. It happens by that work that happens on the inside. I want to conclude with this. And this also came out of that book, um, Ordering Your Private World. But here in this book, he's quoting Oswald Chambers when, when Oswald said this. The battle is lost or won in the secret places of the will before God, never first in the external world. Nothing has any power over the person who has fought out the battle before God and won there. 
I must get the thing settled between myself and God in the secret places of my soul where no stranger intermeddles, and then I can go forth with the certainty that the battle is won. You see, if we get the stuff right with God, if we take our issues up with the Lord, if we pray about the matters, if we do the things in the private, then we can walk confidently in the public, trusting that the Lord is with us, trusting that the Lord's power, His authority, His anointing is going before us. May I challenge you to do the hard work in the backyard of your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you want to meet with us, Lord, in the private places of our lives. Lord, we thank you that you want a personal relationship with us. Lord, we all, I also thank you that you're not as concerned about the outside as you are with the inside. Lord, you want to meet with us there in the inside. And I just pray, Father, that as we do, as we decide to take this admi admonition that you gave through Paul to Timothy, Lord, to make sure that he is spending that time with you, Lord, and that he's not wasting his time on things that don't matter. But Lord God, but he spends that private time with you, Lord God, that it will have impact on the world around him. And I pray, God, that same for our church. I say that for everyone who's watching and listening here today, that you would just allow them, Lord, to see the things in the backyard of their soul be right with you, that it would be spent with you. And Lord God, that they would see results in the rest of their life as they do. We thank you that you give us this confidence. We thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit and that it impacts the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.